Welcome to the Crib Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Wall. Crib Notes are a concise set of notes used for quick reference, usually during a speech or a test. Usually on this show, we spend 10 minutes giving you the Crib Notes version of the major headlines from the past week. And it's usually all I can do to squeeze everything into that time frame. But to be honest, friends, it's been something of a slow news week. I bet I can do it all before the theme song ends. Congress looks poised to confirm Mike Pompeo as Trump's new Secretary of State. The Supreme Court looks poised to uphold Trump's travel ban. Another federal court sided with DACA, but virtually no progress has been made in Congress on permanent legislation. North and South Korea are preparing for their summit tomorrow. A 25-year-old man linked to anti-women hate groups online drove his van onto a sidewalk in Toronto, killing 10 and injuring at least 14. He was quickly arrested and faces 10 murder charges. Police think they have found and arrested a serial killer and rapist from the early 80s dubbed the Golden State Killer. Trump and French President Emmanuel Macron shared a series of super awkward handshakes and hesitant cheek kisses at a state summit. The actor who voices the controversial character Apu on Simpsons says his eyes have been opened and he is more than willing to quit voicing the role. And that's pretty much the gist of what's going on. So, what's up with you these days, friends? Seen any good movies lately? Tell you what, on slow news weeks like this, I want to dive into concepts that are topical, but don't necessarily have a specific news story tied to them. These episodes, which I'm calling The Deep End, are going to be more about exploring perspectives than reporting the news. If that's not your cup of tea, no worries, we'll be back to our usual format next week. And because this episode is more perspective-based, I highly encourage you to email me your thoughts, especially if you disagree. We might even do a part two where you and I get together for an interview to discuss the issue further. As usual, you can find a link in the episode description to all the sources I used for this swim in the deep end. Okay, let's have some fun. Midterm elections are coming up in November, and friends, it's already April. Early polling, which of course must be taken with a grain of salt, indicates that a galvanized left will exceed traditional turnouts in midterm elections, resulting in a blue wave. It is pretty typical in today's political climate for a party's general campaigning strategy to be a constant reminder of what or who a candidate is against. For instance, Democrats seem to be mounting up for an anti-Trump campaign season, which is a predictable and probably quite effective way to light liberal fires. The Republican strategy seems to still be leaning on an anti-Hillary Clinton message, which is odd given that she isn't running for anything. This month alone, at least three Republican candidates have released Clinton-bashing ads. The thing about this kind of strategy is that ultimately, it seems to me unsustainable. In the short term, sure, it is far easier to rally followers against a specific enemy than it is to rally followers in favor of a specific cause. But long term, what we're seeing in the statistics is a trend toward strong and pervasive disillusionment with the US government at large. Gallup has been asking this very question for years. When asked, quote, how much confidence and trust do you have in the federal government to handle problems the country faces, the negative responses since 2002 have increased from about 23% to about 56%. 
Now that increase could be caused by any number of things, but couple that with the fact that in that same time frame, average spending on federal election campaigns has increased by approximately 300% after accounting for inflation. So whether or not campaign ads today are more negative than they used to be, they certainly seem predominantly negative now and they're definitely being seen by a lot more people. Editorially, it doesn't then seem like a huge logical leap to assume that campaigns based around disparaging opposing candidates have at least played a role in creating both the heavily polarized nature of our political climate and also a general distrust in all of our elected leaders. Which brings me back to the question of sustainability. Right now, we're seeing a slew of Republican members of Congress announcing their retirement, and often they cite the direction of the GOP towards Trumpism as their main reason. Similarly, in the 2016 Democratic primary, we saw an uproar from far-left Bernie Sanders supporters, many of whom saw Clinton's pragmatist approach to politics as untenable, and refused to vote for her even in the general election. All of which is to say that we might be heading towards a fracturing of the current binary system. The reason it hasn't happened yet is because a two-party system fosters a mutually assured existence. If roughly half the country votes Democrat, and the other half splits their votes between a libertarian candidate, say, and a conservative party candidate, the Democratic candidate would clean up almost every time. So the smaller ideologies merge to form a more powerful, if less coherent, political voice. But if both major parties split, say for instance into Democrat and liberal and Republican and conservative, then you wind up with a profoundly different political system. Now, inevitably, the question then becomes how effectively can an entity like Congress govern if there is no true majority party? And that's a fair question. Many countries have systems like this, including France, Germany, India, Switzerland, and more than a dozen others, to varying degrees of success. Though I would perhaps argue that the last few US Congresses, trying to encompass so many different ideologies within the largely symbolic net of Republican or Democrat, have had plenty of trouble governing efficiently even within a two-party system. The Pew Research Center published a study a few months ago that makes the case for eight unique political parties in the United States. That study is linked in the description, and I encourage you to check it out because it brings up subtle but important differences in political ideology that I hadn't considered. So, to wrap up, I don't think we'll see the split I'm talking about in this year's midterms. And I doubt we'll see it fully even in the 2020 presidential election season. But I think the first indication that our country is heading this direction will be consistently heated primary races. The 2016 presidential primaries were a perfect example. Bernie Sanders' socialist liberals versus Hillary Clinton's pragmatist Democrats. Donald Trump's nationalist right-wingers versus Ted Cruz's religious conservatives. Rand Paul, though he dropped out of the primaries pretty early, represented another Republican sect, the budget hawk libertarians. These candidates each represented a number of highly contradictory worldviews, and as a result, the vitriol was palpable throughout those races. Before the 2016 primaries, it seemed to me that the centermost ideologies within each of the major political parties controlled the conversation. But since those primaries, the two parties seem to be losing control of their more extreme bases. So, are we headed for a multiple party system? I suspect so, though I don't know when it will happen. In the meantime, friends, register to vote, because decisions are made by those who show up. And maybe go read the Pew Report to figure out which of the eight parties you'll want to join, because you can't be too prepared.
That's it for this week, friends. I know this episode was a bit of a departure for this show, so thanks for experimenting with me. Next week, we'll get back to our roots. If you like the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. You can also go to patreon.com slash dylanwall to become a sustaining member. You get fun rewards for signing up as a monthly donor, uh, starting at just a dollar a month, and they range from a personal shout out on the air all the way up to a guaranteed Crib Notes in focus episode on the topic of your choice. So if you've even got just 12 extra dollars, that's a dollar per month, uh, about 25 cents per episode, consider using it to help make this show happen by going to patreon.com slash dylanwall. You can find that link in the show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter at CribNotesCast. Throughout the week, I post breaking news and interesting articles so you can stay informed between episodes. If you have questions, concerns, corrections, suggestions, or have a totally different take on the current political party system in this country, please email me at thecribnotespodcast at gmail.com. I would absolutely love to talk to you about this stuff. You can find that email address as well as a link to all my sources in the description of this episode. Friends, you're great. And if there's any news next week, I'll talk to you then.